Today's show is brought to you by Yahoo. Show me the football. Are you ready for live football on your phone? With the Yahoo Sports mobile app, you got it. Watch local and primetime NFL games on your phone or tablet all season long. Never miss your local game. Never miss a big national matchup. All you need is the Yahoo Sports app. Get the Yahoo Sports mobile app and you are golden. Welcome to the Ringer NFL Show on the Ringer Podcast Network. I'm Robert Mays, joined as always by Kevin Clark. Kevin, how you doing, buddy? What a day of football for you, Robert Mays. Uh, It's been one heck of a day. I got to enjoy the Mitchell Trubisky experience and definitely have the most fun Bears game uh, that I've had in at least six years. I mean, maybe longer, but since the 2012 season where they were forcing six fumbles a game at the very least. Uh, my new dog ate my yeah, microphone gonna, cover. Yeah, so, so. Let's, let's paint the picture for the listener here. We started the podcast 15 minutes late, and your excuse, which was a valid one, is that the dog chewed all over your stuff. Uh, I got a dog yesterday. That's a fairly fairly generic excuse for like, yeah. like a fifth grader it's true but, but it happened to you uh i got back from my trip from la on friday my my, my suitcase was still in the kitchen slash living room area it was slightly open and uh she managed to eat the cover off my microphone which to be fair it does look like a big ice cream cone i'm not sure if she knows what ice cream looks like but I don't blame her for eating it or eating anything at this point. She's been here for 24 hours. So she's a good dog and it's okay. I would never be mad at her because I cannot be mad at anything today. I was ready to just unload on you for being 15 minutes late. And then I found out your good dog is the cause of it. And I said, you could be 45 minutes late. It's fine. Yeah, she's, she's worth it. She's very cute. Uh, it's been a good day all around. Uh, that game was phenomenal. We will get to that. Uh, we'll, I mean, Mitchell Trubisky throwing six touchdown passes is something we probably have to address on this podcast, no matter who is hosting it. But we are going to start uh, on a somewhat more dour note for a couple of teams. And, and the first of those teams is the defending Super Bowl champions. So mm. our, our lead today is going to be about what sort of the of trouble the Eagles might be in. And we're going to fold in what sort of trouble that other Pennsylvania team might be in, in the Pittsburgh Steelers. But first and foremost, we are going to start off here with the defending Super Bowl champs. The Eagles lose in overtime to the Tennessee Titans. And the loss is one thing. But for me, it's more about the second straight week where they haven't necessarily looked dominant with Carson Wentz back. The offense really sputtering against a defense that maybe we're starting to figure out is pretty good, but you wouldn't necessarily pencil in as one of the best defenses in the league. I mean, this is a group that kind of looked out of sorts at times uh, against the Titans today, and I just did not expect that. So Rodney McLeod goes down, and we were recording a podcast while that happened, and we sort of looked at each other and said that could be problematic down the road. It's problematic, and the secondary, I don't really know what happens going forward because at this point, I have the number in front of me. The Eagles have allowed over 1,100 passing yards so far, and that's the second most in franchise history. That's bad. Uh, Elliot Shore Parks had this little chart here that I'll read out now. The Titans, by the way, and he makes this point here, 
they basically did not look like a functioning offense last week. Some of that was was the Gabbert stuff, but they have not exactly. You know, some of it exactly was Marcus Mariota's elbow not working. They're, they're also they're not the Chiefs here. Okay, they're not the Kansas City Chiefs. It's not Patrick Mahomes, but on the final drive, they converted a fourth and four, a fourth and fifteen, a third and nineteen, a fourth and two, and a third and goal from the ten. The Eagles have got to figure out how to limit those plays. I know that there's a lot of problems to be fixed there, but one of them is just make a damn stop in overtime on the final drive. Let's talk about the Titans very briefly, because I also wanted to mention the Titans here. I feel like, you know how when teams win games ugly, we don't necessarily give them a lot of credit for it? Yes. It's like, um, you know, who cares? I mean, they won this game so ugly. Are they any good? Does it really matter? Do that with Jacksonville this time last year. We did that with Jacksonville last week when it came to Tennessee. Yeah, and you know, they're going and they're playing Jacksonville and whatever. They lost, but, you know, it's uh, we're like, oh, man, what an ugly game. Who really cares? You know, this Tennessee team, they went ugly against the Titans or went ugly against the Texans. They went ugly against Miami. Yeah, are they really any good? They lose that just disgusting game to the Jaguars. And then they come out. I believe we today. gave a we gave a stock down to everyone involved in that game. That's how that's bad exactly it was. right. That's exactly right. And then they come out and do what they did today. And I feel like the reason that it's important what they did today is because Marcus Mariota's elbow did not work last week. He could not grip a football because of the nerve da- nerve damage. Did you see the glove he wore today? It was so weird. I've never seen that before. But it, it was clearly a glove worked. with two fingers. Yes. So I mean, whatever it was, it worked. Because he was able to throw the ball down the field. Yeah. They had some shots down the middle field, one of which they didn't even hit early in overtime that would have broken the game wide open even earlier than it did. They were able to take some shots, take advantage of Rodney Cloud not being there. Corey Davis made some big plays. Taylor Taylor was a threat to make a couple big plays. They've survived long enough. Now they're three and one. Who else is going to win the wild card in the AFC? They could... Win the AFC South for all we know. They went long enough to make themselves to keep themselves alive. Their offense is going to be fine when Mariota's healthy. We just saw that. And their defense, I have a feeling, is for real. Their pass rush has enough pieces. Their secondary is playing well. They're blitzing at the right times. All the way across 11 guys, their defense is really solid and they're playing with a certain energy. I like this team. And I think that what they did to stay alive over this four weeks actually becomes, it goes from forgettable to impressive after what they did today. Okay. So a couple things. Number one, they were down 17 to three. And that's, that's an impressive accomplishment in and of itself. Marcus Mariota, even though he was not himself, he looked comfortable in the offense. Enough. And, and he's still efficient. Do you, do you know his touchdown to interception ratio in the red zone? It's insane over the course it's of his career. 41 to zero over the course of his career. 41 to zero. And I, I know that he has not, you know, had, he has not opened up in an offense like a, you know, like a Mahomes or he hasn't had like the statistical success even Mitch Trubisky today, right? I mean, obviously, he's a better quarterback than Trubisky over the past two years. Hey, but hey, hey, okay. Over two years is fine. What, over a one game, sa- well, over a one day sample size <laughs> I'm joking now? you. I'm joking. We're just joking. taking it one day at a time. <laughs> That's um, all we're doing. But, Continue. But he, he takes care of the football. He has really good athleticism. I think Matt LeFleur is going to be good for him. I feel a lot better 
about Marcus Mariota today than I did at the beginning of the season. See, I, it's not that I necessarily feel better than I did at the beginning of the season because I felt good at the beginning of the season. I had high hopes for this offense. I feel so much better now than I felt at the start of today because I really didn't know what was going to happen with that elbow. And to see the progression he made from last week physically gives me hope that this is something that's going to get marginally better over time. And if it's going to keep getting better and their offense is going to be able to improve as a result of it, combined yeah. with the way they're playing defense, it's like, oh, we're cooking with gas now. I mean, this team can really do something in a watered-down AFC. I was so impressed. Okay, so can I ask you a question? So so you keep we, – we have talked all the time about how the AFC might suck, and, and it still might suck. But at this point, you have the Jaguars and Titans, both three and one. It looks like the Ravens are good. Okay. It looks like the Ravens are good. So do you believe in any of the Dolphins, Steelers, Bengals? I guess we'll talk about the Texans in a second. But do you believe in either of those teams to contend for one of those wildcard spots? I was really disappointed with Miami today. It's oh, fr- absolutely. I, I mean, it's a disaster. It, I mean, it's we'll, we'll get to these games. It, it's, that was it's, that was that was almost like regression in in, in real time. That's exactly right. For both right. teams, for both every the, the the Patriots were due to just destroy a team, and the Dolphins were just, due just to meeting in the middle, lay an egg. It, and, it just it was all it was it was probability playing out in real time. I, I expected so much more of the Dolphins' offense against New England. Oh, you mean scoring a point? Yes. I I mean, it's we knew that the Patriots were not going to play as bad as they did last week. We knew that Miami probably wasn't this good. I I, now I'm going to need to see it for an extended period with the Dolphins. When it comes to the Bengals and the Ravens, that Atlanta defense is an out and out disaster. Mm. They cannot stop anyone, and they manage it. I mean, that's why they lost today. We will get to Cincinnati, but uh, we'll see with the Bengals. I think they have maybe enough firepower on offense, but we'll diagnose that. When it comes to the Ravens, I still don't know. I, st- I still well, the don't Ravens, know about they also, also, there's a, there's an AFC North playoff spot, so it's not. It's if, if yeah, but then it's, it's the Steelers. Steelers. Oh yeah, but the Steelers are one, two, and one. Don't I exactly still, look like they're ready I, to run away with that division. I still am picking the Steelers. I still am picking the Steelers to win that division. I know that might seem crazy, but it's only one, two, and one. They're a game and a half behind those two teams. It, it's not as if this is over. Their talent is such on offense that I just have to believe they'll do this by the end. But tonight was another terrible example. Here's, I will say this right now. In terms of their future and extended playoff chances and what they will do in the playoffs, I am much more afraid about the Eagles than I am about the Steelers. How about that? Ooh, let's explore that. So is that a, you just don't like this defense? You don't like the way Wentz looks now? Where are we on that one? I feel like, their offense does not look great, even though they dropped a lot of passes today. I think that cannot go overlooked how many balls hit the ground in key situations. Aguilar dropped one, but also their receivers made a couple plays. You know, Jeffrey goes up and makes that play. They had a couple contested catches. It's the defense I don't think is there all the way across the board that it was last year. I think losing McLeod, you see kind of the domino effect, something like that starts to have. That being said, the Steelers' offense defense is also kind of a mess right now. I mean, from the beginning, you saw how much them not having Mike Hilton 
hurt them on the first play of the game when John Brown scored that touchdown. But So he, he, here's my only thought. I think the Ravens can be a pretty good team this year. I think we're, the, the, their defense is good, and I think that their offense is good enough to take advantage of a good defense. When I look at the NFC East, I just don't see a team right now. The Redskins are 2-1 and one and look fine. The Cowboys are the Cowboys, and the Eagles are 2-2. Two and two. I, I, I'm writing. I'm writing the Giants off. I'm sorry. I just. I just. As you should. I cannot deal with the Giants right now. The in get them out of this conversation. The, within the division outlook, I feel like is rosier for the Eagles. 100. percent I mean, at best, you know, they're a half game back going into next week because Washington's not playing. So uh, that's great. I mean, I think that they absolutely can win their division and whatever. But it's more so just about the long term health and what they. I can feel what I feel they can do within the conference at large. And I still feel like right now what the Eagles look like compared to what some of the other teams in the NFC look like, I'm not exactly sure that they're one of the best three or four teams as it currently stands. I did not know buy started. I just It just slipped my mind, just snuck up on me until <laughs> I, just know, I saw. I know it was new because it was one less game. I, there were only eight early games. I was like, why are there only yeah, eight early what? games? But and then I saw Josh Norman in Los Angeles today, and I said, "Well, I guess yep. either there's a massive scandal going on, or the Redskins are on a buy, and Josh uh, Norman's in Los go. Angeles." That's great. I love it was it. literally like the early. It was like the one p.m. window. Oh, there's Josh Norman. Okay, I guess the Redskins are on a buy. I guess we're at that point of the season already. Yeah, yeah, yeah that's yeah, that's the only way we knew, and I'll, I totally understand. I that's I've been preoccupied with other things today as well. Uh, one of those things I was preoccupied with today and uh, a reason I didn't necessarily tune in the same way I always do to some of the early games is going to be our first stock up. And that oh, is yeah. Mitchell Trubisky. <laughs> Good Lord, that was fun. I don't even know what to say. I, at one point, I was just sitting there laughing because it just seemed like every ball that went up in the air got caught for like a 30-yard touchdown. <laughs> Dirk Cutter called for his own firing today. I don't blame him. When you give up that to the dude who has looked often inept over the first three weeks of the season, it might be time for you to go home. So I want you to talk about Mitch Trubisky. I want to talk about the Bears defense for a second. There are a couple throws he made today that people are going to write off as, well, he, the guy was wide open. And that's totally fair. You know, it's... The one he threw down the left sideline to Bellamy for the touchdown, that is a great design. It's a fake screen to Cohen. Today was the day we found out what kind of weapon Tariq Cohen could be in an offense, by the way. As a decoy, as a receiver, as a runner, I feel like Jordan Howard is going to be a guy they use in select situations now, and Cohen is the focal point. Mm -hmm. It almost becomes uh, almost an exaggerated version of the Kareem Hunt in Kansas City thing when they're playing the way they want to. You know, Mr. Trubisky is not Patrick Mahomes, let me be clear. But what the running back in that situation can be at the best version of it. So, you know, they got a few of those throws. But even the first touchdown to Burton down the right sideline, Evans fell down late. That ball was released when he was still running with Burton. And that would have been an on-target throw even with the defender there. So a lot of the throws he made today while schemed open were on target throws. And there were two that I found very impressive. One, he made a throw across the field to Taylor Gabriel on a play action pass 
that was almost identical to throws he's missed over the first three weeks. And what happened was, instead of trying to float that ball to a wide-open guy, he changed the plane of the throw and just threw it right to him on a line. He often overthrows Gabriel. And I know those look bad. Taylor Gabriel is 5'8". And these are balls that are not being thrown to him down the field that are bombs that just go get it. He's a very real receiver in this offense, and it requires some recalibration. And that one was very impressive to me. And he had another where he moved outside the pocket in a calm way, reset his launch point on a play-action throw, and delivered a strike to Trey Burton. And it's like, all right, there we go. He did not bail out of control. You moved the launch point out of the pocket when you knew you had max protection and you hit the throw. It was so encouraging, and it wasn't just he's throwing to wide-open dudes. There was some of that, but there were a couple throws he made today. It's like, this is what needs to happen for this team to be very real. And the other element of that is, God damn, that defense is good. Yep. So that's what I want to talk about. I just want to say from a team profile perspective, when you're just looking from 35,000 feet, no one has blitzed less than the Chicago Bears and no team has more sacks. That is the recipe for not only a dominating defense, but a dominant team. Like that's the profile of a team that gets far in the playoffs. Just they can generate pass rush from anywhere. And that's what I think is really exciting. If Trubisky can be above average, this can be an 11 and five team. Yeah, they're a wild card team. If he plays like this today, they were 100% a wild card team. Not even this. If he plays like this, they not win even the this. Super Bowl. He played five touchdowns in a if, half. If he is an above average the quarterback, first, they're a wild card team, 100%. Without a doubt. There was a, a stat tweeted out. J.J. Stankovitz had this. Okay, they're the seventh team since in this, de- in this century, since 2000, have 18 sacks in four games. Okay? The 2000 Bucks, the 01 Packers, the 04 Eagles, the 13 Chiefs, 15 Broncos, 17 Jaguars. Every single one of those teams got to the second round of the playoffs. The this absolute, is the best defense in football right now. Well, yeah. They have the best defensive player in football right now who is just forcing a fumble every week. It's, it's incredible. I mean, it just, and it doesn't even feel like it's out of character. It doesn't even feel like, oh man, how can he keep doing this? No. Because I felt like today it should have been more. There should have been at least one more. I mean, Jameis Winston slipped out of like two sacks that were 20-yard losses. I, it, this should not be a sustainable thing, and it's sustainable. And my favorite thing, it's like when I watched Jacksonville last year. When you watch a defense like this that just has it, every single one of those dudes is hunting for the ball. They all believe it's theirs on every play. Uh, And we talk about the not blitzing thing, and it's such a good point. But what really good defenses do is they essentially make it look like they're blitzing when they're not. Yeah. And the Bears have done such a great job of using stunts with Mac. They had one today that I thought was so perfect. They put Floyd as the defensive tackle on Mac's side. And they, Mac does this all the time on his own volition. He'll crash in on certain plays because he knows they're setting him for speed outside. So he's crashing in. He's taking two guys with him, and Floyd comes around the outside. Floyd is not a bender outside pass rusher, but he's nope. an excellent change of direction player. 
he does a very good job of putting his foot in the ground and going and letting him have those lanes because of Mac makes him even more dangerous. Akeem Hicks one-on-one makes him even more dangerous. Bilal Nichols had a play today. Uh, Kyle Fuller was all over the place. Bryce Callahan. Yeah. Their nickel corner right now is reminding me of the way that Mike Hilton played last year. Very physical as a nickel corner, making tackles around the line of scrimmage. Danny Danny Trevathan almost had a pick today. Adrian, Eddie Jackson did have a pick today and made a couple of great plays. Roquan is really starting to figure it out in terms of his play speed. Aaron Lynch looks really good. They didn't even have a Mukamura today. Yeah. And what, what I think is really interesting just in general about this team is that the Jaguars last year had the incredible defensive line, but then they had individual talent on the back end. AJ Boye and Jalen Ramsey were the two best cornerbacks in the NFL for basically the entire season. I mean, it it was both sides of the field were locked down in a way that we hadn't really seen in a long time. And I don't think the bears had that individual talent in the secondary. Not at all. Except, I mean, I think Adrian Amos is a very, very good player. But I'd argue could, their safeties are better. Yeah, I but would too. The corners, but yeah. The, the, the corners on Jack, Jack's more than not even planet. close. But the fact that, that the Bears defense looks like this is just a, a tribute to what Vic Fangio has done with that front seven. And, I and totally also agree. just the individual dominance of Khalil Mack, who would be obviously, he's better than anybody on that Jacksonville defensive line. He's been amazing, man. I mean, it's been so much fun to watch. And this is, it doesn't really matter in the modern era because run defense is not a real weakness, you know, when you consider what you want to be. But the Bears don't want you run the ball. I mean, the Jacksonville run defense was kind of a disaster at certain stretches of the early portion of last year. You can't run on the Bears. I mean, they have maybe the best run defense in the NFL right now. So, it's the Jags past defense was a buzzsaw last year. It's four games. You know, they need to sustain it. But when you see what they did to what had been one of the more efficient passing offenses in the league over the first three, over the first three games of the season, it's like, all right, now I'm ready. Like this, this team is like getting me excited now because this defense is for real to a terrifying degree. Okay. All right. Wait, no, Next. no, no. I'm not letting you get away from that. Uh, I don't me, I want to move on. Give me your prediction for the rest of the season. I think they go 10 and six and get a okay. wild card. Okay. Me too. I, I, the, the Trubisky thing is going to be up and down, but, but, but my, wait, the, who, who do, do they, do they finish above the green Bay Packers? I was not impressed with the Packers today. Okay. Their defense looked great against Josh Allen. It's that bills offense is horrendous. Aaron they Rogers could not put that team very away. Mad. He seems very mad. He's very frustrated. They did not move the ball consistently on offense. They looked out of sorts. It, it's there for the taking. That's what I'll say. It, it is there for the taking. The, the Vikings have fatal flaws despite all of their talent all the way across. I mean, they have a ton of talent, that team, but they have fatal flaws right now. And if the defense can play like this and they can get the scattered games from the quarterback, the most important thing in my mind today about how they played is that he looked like a quarterback and a player afraid over the first three weeks. And if you can get him with a little bit of juice, it might be the most important thing. And for him to have that game, I think could be a massive, massive thing for his confidence and for just the trajectory of this offense moving forward. Maybe that's a rosy way to look at it, uh, but I absolutely think that it could have that sort of play. All right, let's move on. Let's go for another stock up. Let's go with the 
Bengals offense and Mr. Andy Dalton. First, I want to address the sadder, the maybe the saddest moment of today. I mean, we can throw the roll time. Saddest thing moment in there. of the season. The saddest moment of the early slate for sure. Tyler Eifert was having an awesome game. I was pumped about him coming in against this Falcons team. His snap percentages had gone up the first two games. He was running more routes. He was firmly entrenched as the Bengals' number one tight end. I was like, oh man, all right, here we go. Tyler Eifert, this is awesome. He's healthy, he's playing. And just another fluke thing. It's not an elbow. It's not the back that we've seen from him. It's not the knee. It's just a snapped ankle on a fluke play where he was fighting for more yards. And he is, again, done for the season. And his face, I'll tell a story. I was, I, when I was in Los Angeles last year, November, or in October, I was at the uh, Venice Whaler in Venice Beach. The, we, I just landed. And the Cubs were playing in the playoffs. So I didn't want to go all the way to Hollywood. I was like, all right, let's get up really quick on the west side. I want to catch the rest of this game. And Tyler Eitner was at the table next to me. And he was there to get that final opinion on the injury that eventually ended his season. He needed a second one. He was put on the shelf for good. And he and I started talking a little bit. And I was just like, yeah, I heard why you're out here. Like, da-da-da-da-da. He's like, yeah, you know, just he's figuring out. And I was like, you know what? Good luck, man. You know what? I really wish you the best. You know, Stay healthy. Da-da-da-da-da. He and I had met a couple times. And I just, I really fell for him. Because there is nothing sadder to me than a guy whose body betrays him in the NFL. A player who's clearly so talented and seems like a good dude and whatever else and just cannot get a break. And I mean, for the whatever season in a row, that's it for him. And I think their offense has a ton of ability outside of that. Tyler Boyd has really come around. I think that it could carry them with an uneven defense. But with him, they would have been such a just force to be reckoned with. And now that's over again. Yeah, I mean, one of the things that that bothers me in the in the macro sense in the NFL is how little attention is paid to injured players. Yeah, um, I and, totally and, you know, agree. When Chris Berwin and I did that podcast last year with with Bill, we talked about kind of watching football practice and the most depressing part of football practice, and I'm sure you've seen it, I've seen it, Borwin certainly has seen it, is when a guy gets hurt. And it looks like a bad one and they move the drill and they just let the guy lay there. I've seen it like maybe five or six times in my life, especially in training camp. And you're just like, okay, well, the drill moved. The other players maybe thought about it for 10 seconds and kept going. Meanwhile, the guy on the ground who blew his Achilles or broke his ankle or whatever he did, his life is dramatically changed. Yeah. Yeah, You have to do it that way. I I want to be clear that I'm not judging how they handle those. Because it's such a regularity that if you every single one becomes devastating, you'll never play. But and and Tyler Eifert is signed for one year, five million right now. Yeah, obviously his financial situation is a lot better than the vast vast majority of people, and we're not. This is not a financial thing, but it it's just about you know his career is dramatically altered because he has that injury, and I, I think that a lot of times you know especially. Injured players are just no longer a part of the team in the NFL. They're they're treated as, yeah. as second class citizens. All very bizarre. But I I think I guess the point I'm making is when you see a guy like Tyler Eifert literally crying on the cart, it's because all of these things, the one year deal, the fact he's been so injured, all of these things all add up to make a very very emotional thing to come up to come back what he's had to come back from. Yep. Just time and time again. It's not about money. It's about getting nope. to do what you want to do and yep. how hard you've worked for it. 
and for to feel right. And I'm sure he felt so good today. And then to have it all taken away again is just, it really, it hits me really hard. And, and that image hit me really hard. It just, of all the guys to have that kind of fluke injury again, you just feel for the guy so much. But all right, let, let's talk about the Bengals offense outside of Tyler Eifert, which again, we're moving the drill because we have to. They they do look good. And I think that their offensive line, let's 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 say this. I I will say they looked good today with a caveat. The reason they almost lost that game is that they could not protect Dalton for stretches. And the Falcons have a better defensive front than other teams they'll face in terms of speed. You know, Tech McKinley had some moments today. Grady Jarrett was hurt for a little bit, but he was definitely in the mix. You know, Vic Beasley is not the player we thought he was a couple of years ago, but he's still athletically gifted. They had some issues, and we'll see if those kind of pop up again moving forward. But the line is undeniably better than it has been in the last couple of years and allows them to be a functional offense. When Dalton has protection and when Dalton has weapons, we've seen that he can be decent and that he can play. They'll get Mixon back soon. Bernard will step back into the kind of secondary role he fills that he's very good at. They still have A.J. Green. Again, we talked about Boyd. John Ross just cannot stay healthy. You know, he tweaked that hamstring or groin or whatever it was today while playing and could barely run. But I feel like they have enough to be, you know, a real bother for teams going forward here, especially in a watered-down AFC. As we talked about, at a certain point, when you win these early games ugly, you keep yourself in the tournament, and they are three and one in the same way that the Titans are three and one. Tell you what, he only had seventy-eight yards. I'm ready for an AJ Green comeback season. He was monstrous against the Ravens. No, I know, and but he all he won the game for the for the yes. Bengals today. He's always he, going to be around in, in the right scenario, and that's what I'm saying is that I feel like the Bengals might have the right scenario offensively. I, I, I think because he sort of settled into. I mean, last two years he's basically gotten a thousand yards. He had 1,078 and 964 before that. I feel like we've sort of forgotten how dominant he was in the 1,400 yard season, the 1,300 yard season. I mean, he is a dominant, dominant force. I mean, I, I think that the 2016 season sort of ended the debate between him and Julio. I'd love to see him kind of reemerge in that in that space and and get that going because I really do think he's as talented a receiver as there's in the NFL. I think we're having the same conversation because again, I think that because they have a sustainable infrastructure now, we get to see the player that he is. When Dalton has other guys to throw to, when Dalton's not on his back every two yeah, seconds. Yeah, when he has a line. I mean, the, the, the line has been the killer for that offense the last couple of years. Totally. And I don't, you know, Andy Dalton's not great, but he's a very feasible NFL quarterback when you have the right pieces in place. And I think that they do this year in a way that they have not. And I think that it makes them real, you know, their defense. I I'm not impressed by the Falcons moved the ball pretty easily. A lot of this game, but their offense has enough again in an AFC that is completely up for grabs right now. I I'm excited to see what they do moving forward because I think that they have a lot working for them. Okay. Bengals. Hold on one second. Bengals, Ravens, Steelers, who makes the playoffs? Raven Steelers. Okay. I'm still standard. I'm I just I I just think that there's more talent on that Ravens team in terms of what they have on defense. And I literally I literally just I, I'm not, I don't feel I, open, I, don't, I don't feel great I, about that. Open Twitter for five seconds to check something. And the first headline I see is Big Ben colon. I'm not on the same page with anybody. 
great. It's the, these Steelers games are fun, and then they what go to the AFC the, Championship why, the, game again. Yeah, no, I know, I know. They're, they're, it, it's the opposite of the Patriots. I want to talk about the Steelers for one second. All right, it's the opposite of the Patriots, and I, I, I'm literally this. I just thought this came to me now as I'm reading this. The Patriots start one and two. Tom Brady looks like trash. The skill position players look like garbage. And everybody is like, well, this is fine. They're going to win the Super Bowl still. And the Steelers have maybe a little better start in the first three games. I mean, they, they still look okay. They still have Antonio Brown. They still have individual talent on offense. And yet, there's just this sense of impending doom that would never happen in New England. And I don't know why that is. They're both sustainably good franchises who are always in the playoffs, who are always in the second round, at least, usually the AFC championship game. And yet, every time they lose a game, they lost to the Jaguars last year in October, and Big Ben said, maybe I don't have it anymore. Could you imagine Tom Brady saying that after like no, a bad game? No, because the Steelers have Fournette? this like weird drama about What's them. Go- but I don't understand. Like Bad teams have weird drama around them, and the Steelers have this weird drama that just seems to just exist in October and November, excuse me, September and October. They figure it out by November and December and they get to where they're going to go. But is is it just because Ben and Antonio Brown and I guess maybe the levy on contract stuff, just did those guys like acting like everything is the sky is falling? I I don't understand the psychology of it. I mean, I think it's a coaching thing. I think it's a locker room culture thing. I also think I, that, I don't know about that. Do you think Mike Tomlin is is responsible for everybody thinking the Steelers are done every September? Y- yes. Oh know. my God! Yes. Wait. I be, think what, because of his personality, or because you think he's his a bad personality? Coach? Mm. Oh, absolutely. I think he shuts everything down. I don't. I think he doesn't care about any. I don't think he. I don't. I don't think he. He feeds into it in any way. I don't know I if don't. he feeds into it anyway, but that no one would say that in New England. That is a what can you say and what do you think you're allowed to say sort of deal. And that's fine. I don't oh, think it's oh, a bad oh, oh, thing. Wait, wait. So you're saying that because Mike Tomlin is a little more player friendly, that yes. Ben Roethlisberger gets to say, I'm not on the same page with anybody. Definitely. I get that. Okay. I thought you were saying like, no. because Mike Tomlin is there, they all think that the sky is falling. Not at all. I just no, think okay. that they're allowed you. to talk like that because they have more freedom and that's okay. I just, I think that that is a product of how loose those guys feel at certain times. And I think that overall, we talk about this all the time. Inertia occasionally takes over early in these seasons. Because guys have been a certain way, because teams have been a certain way in past years, we're like, ah, whatever, they'll be fine. We did it with the Patriots and we were right. Eventually it ends. Eventually is the year where it doesn't happen. For quarterbacks, we've talked about this. And for teams, it's true too. And maybe this is the year where it's true for the Steelers. Maybe this is the year where, you know what? It really is bad and it's over, but I'm not willing to say that yet. Both the Patriots and the Steelers remind me of, I grew up in Florida and everybody's a Braves fan in Florida. And every year I'd be like, well, they're not going to win the NFCs this year. And then they just won it every single year. And then I just stopped watching baseball. And until the Steelers don't do something in October and until they're not like seven and two and one or whatever it's going to be, I'm still going to have this thought. All right, one more stock up very briefly. Sticking in the AFC, the Texans' pulse is now stock up because okay, it exists listen, again. I, I, I was on assignment today, and I didn't have anything to do with really the script here. We, we didn't normally have a normal conversation before this. I'm going to let you take this. This is this is a huge whatever from me with the Texans. They're, I, I totally took them agree in the wins with you. league, and I absolutely hate them. 
I don't blame you whatsoever. I thought the offense had signs of life. The Colts defense is terrible. But I Watson made some throws. He was moving around. I think that their pass catchers are very good. They're only two games back. In the, in, and I just think that right now, they have a shot. You know, in an AFC that's watered down with Watson playing like that, if he can give that offense some life, even behind that line, they're now alive. And if they had lost today, it was over. It may still be over at one and three. I just was not expecting them to pull that game out in that sort of fashion and say, you know what? Maybe, maybe. I just think we had to mention the way that that game ended. I mean, Wright goes for it. I don't blame him necessarily. You're a team that's not going to be a contender. This is year one of your regime. You want to instill a certain mindset. I don't mind that whatsoever. But the Texans are not dead in the water anymore. And I just felt like we needed to talk about it, even if it was very brief. Could you imagine what Ben Roethlisberger would say if he played behind that line? <laughs> I'm not on the same page with anybody. Could he would have said imagine? it after the first game. Could you imagine the press conferences after he's just constantly getting hit? I, I, I whatever. All right. But my, my official, my official ruling on the Texans is meh. That's totally fine. I'm just saying it has to be stock up when you are flatlining for the first three weeks. Before we move on, let's take a quick break. Today's show is also brought to you by Mint Mobile. The big and big wireless provider stands for a lot of things. Big contracts, big bills, big fees. What Big Wireless doesn't want you to know is that there's a way to cut your wireless bill down to just 15 bucks a month with Mint Mobile. Mint Mobile has taken everything wrong with Big Wireless and made it right. With Mint Mobile, you can save over $1,000 a year without sacrificing quality. Mint Mobile makes it easy to cut your wireless bill down to 15 bucks a month. Use your own phone with any Mint Mobile plan and keep your old number along with all your contacts. Choose between two, five, or 10 gigabyte 4G LTE plans. No more paying for unlimited data that you'll never use. And if you're not 100% satisfied, Mint Mobile has you covered with their seven day money back guarantee. To get your new wireless plan for just 15 bucks a month, plus free shipping on your Mint Mobile SIM card, go to mintmobile.com NFL. That's mintmobile.com slash NFL. Cut your wireless plan to 15 bucks a month and get free shipping on your Mint Mobile SIM card at mintmobile.com slash NFL. Today's show is also brought to you by FanDuel. Football season is underway, and I'm sure a lot of us already have major regrets about our season-long fantasy teams. It's like you spent all off-season researching and getting excited for the season, and then comes the pain. Trust me, I am in the Ringer Fantasy Football League. It's a two-quarterback league, which is nonsense anyway, and my team is an absolute disaster. I barely want to look at it anymore. That's why I'm so excited to be playing on FanDuel all season. At FanDuel, you get the excitement of researching and building your team each week. Every week is a new season, so regardless of the outcome, you get to do it all, all over again. FanDuel has never been more fun or easy. It's the place to play, even if you're not a fantasy expert. FanDuel has something for everyone, and there are more ways to win than ever before. Like their Gridiron Pick'em Contest every week. It's a free contest. All you need to do is pick winners, no spreads, and 10K is split among the top pickers. I paid a bunch of FanDuel this week. I had a ton of daily lineups. I was really excited about it. I had Andy Dalton in a bunch of them and Matt Ryan and... 
I, I did okay. You know, I won a little bit. Not to the degree it seemed at the beginning of the day because the Giants just never trust the Giants. That's all I got to say. But it was fun, and I am really excited to keep doing it all year. New users get a $20 bonus when they make their first deposit on FanDuel. So come play with me at fanduel.com slash the ringer. That's fanduel.com slash the ringer. Now back to the show. All right, stock down. Uh, we talked about this a little bit in regard to the, the Bengals offense. The Falcons defense is done. And my stock down is on their recipe for winning right now, which is we need to score 40 points to win because we're going to give up 38. The Chiefs can do that because they're a Death Star. The Falcons are not. They're a very yeah. good offense. I just don't think with the injuries they have on defense, they have any shot at winning a wild card this year and being relevant at the end of the season. Their stock down and their defense was done could have been could have been penciled in or written in pen in early September when Keanu Neal and Deion Jones go down. Totally. Uh, but the Ricardo Allen thing is even worse. Yeah, of course. And, but now you have three of your best players on your 53-man roster who are out for the season. And I just don't, I don't think there's any way. I, I, I kind of think in this new NFL where teams are just going to put up touchdown after touchdown after touchdown and, and the, the, the teams are going to set the record for touchdowns every single week, probably for the entire season. Because of this, I think the best you can hope for on defense is a couple of individual skill guys just making a difference and and, and forcing the def- the offense into mistakes. Not with my with, team, baby. I think you win with blue chippers. Well, I, I would I would argue that there's Khalil Mack there ready, ready to make offenses have mistakes, right? And so I, I kind of think blue chippers obviously always important, but they're the best line of defense against these high octane offenses. Just one guy making a play. You need a Deion Jones. You need a Keanu O'Neill to make to kind of force those errors. And that's what I think is important. And once they lost those guys, they're screwed. Yeah, I, I totally agree. I, I as a Matt Ryan fantasy owner, it's going to be fun because they're going to need to score fifty points a game. They're going to throw sixty times a game in order to get there. But as far as this team's contention chances, I think they're over. You know, we'll see what happens next season. I still feel like they have a ton of talent on this roster, but windows closed, man. They have one of the more expensive offenses in the league. Grady Jarrett needs to be paid. We'll see what they have to give Tevin Coleman after the season's over. You know, this Falcons team that looked like it was going to be on the verge of you know, contender status in the NFC for years when they went to the Super Bowl a couple years ago, that slammed shut much faster than you think it does. So it's a lost season, and, and, and that's a bummer when you're a guy who's had to build a team on a certain timeline like Thomas Dimitrov has. All right, let's go to stock down. The Dolphins sleeper potential. Oh, Jesus. They played their first real team of the season pretty much. And uh, goodness gracious, that was not fun. So uh, what 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 was that? Uh, the elements of their team that I thought looked excellent over the first three weeks did not look excellent this week. They could not run the ball. They could not stop the run, which it's not exactly as if the Patriots are the 2016 Cowboys. So not sure what that was about. Their defense was not in any sort of fundamental sound, you know, assignment-based state. 
the way that it had been over the first couple of weeks. Uh, I don't. I think the Dolphins have a chance to be much better than they were. But uh, the, I'm the still not excited. The euphemism "assignment based state." To I'm trying to be nice. Used, used in place of basically not playing organized defense is 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 uh, is a mood, as the kids say. I'm trying to be nice. Uh, yeah, they were all over the place. And um, what so I was Dolphins, impressed by is that they were not all over the place for the first couple of weeks. They seemed like sure. they were just so on the same page. Seemed like they seemed like they ran plays, that kind of thing. Yeah, the Dolphins headline over the first three weeks is. Man, I'm on the same page with everybody. Yeah. Yeah. So ran plays. So they did beat the Titans, who I think are pretty good. And then they beat In the Raiders. In that weird game, though. Oh yeah, I know. And then they beat the Raiders, who suck, and the Jets, <laughs> who I think I think suck. And we didn't. We'll really get know to this. That. We'll get to this. We didn't this really the know the Jets sucked then because they had just played the Lions game, which was the one of the weirdest games. And the Lions suck. So you know, here we I know, go. I know. But the Lions also beat the Patriots last week, who now just pasted. I mean, don't. Here's my advice for everybody at home in the car: don't use the transitive property in 2018. Not with don't football. Don't do it. Yeah, don't do it. So let's get to our last stock down, and, and that's the stock is up. Or excuse me, the stock is down for last week's. Wait a second, teams, and those are the Lions and the Bills. The Lions yeah. and the Bills still bad. I'm not sure if we have to do much more than that. Uh, the Lions could not stop the Cowboys. I mean, a team that had absolutely no just functionality as an offense last week against Seattle where they're hitting plays downfield. The play action game is working. Zeke scoring on 50 yard touchdowns on screen touchdowns. It, the Lions are not very good and the bills are exactly what they th- we thought they were on offense. Couple mad teams. I mean, I never really bought into any of these. I did think Josh Allen was going to look better, but again, I, I just, I just go back to this. Josh Allen one out of every five passes looked absolutely awesome in training camp. And three out of five were mistakes or bad or underwhelming. And then one of them was just fine, right? That was how I viewed it in early August when I saw him. And so what ended up happening against Minnesota is all of those good throws were cobbled together in a string. And there were coverage breakdowns. He was mostly yeah, running the ball. I mean, sure, it, but that was a fluky game. He's he let's hitting open guys for Josh Allen is not a given. And I would say the same thing about Trubisky. I mean, I've seen enough. And I, I would put Bortles in this in this category as well. Sometimes they have weird misthrows, and I'm excited and happy for them when they hit open guys because it's not a given. Yeah, that's fair. I just, that team is going to be all over the place. And for the most part, it's going to be bad. But I want to move on and, and let's stick with kind of the same theme you were talking about. Let's get to our challenge flags of the week. And the first challenge flag I want to throw is on early judgments on quarterbacks. And there are a lot of guys we can throw into this conversation, especially the rookies. And I want to chat about a couple of them. But us anointing Sam Darnold as the second coming was probably a little bit early. Whatever Josh Rosen did today against a bad Seahawks team, we should probably take a step back. Baker Mayfield loses today against the Raiders, but he was pretty good. I mean, it's not his fault that uh, there's a fumbled snap, uh, a call that should not have been overturned that was, that should have ended the game, a dropped pass by Antonio Callaway that turns into a pick six, and a strip sack that the pocket just crumbles. 
Baker Mayfield made some ridiculous throws today. Let's take it easy on, well, he lost to the Raiders as we try to judge these guys early on. Wait, were you implying Josh Rosen looked good against the Seahawks? He did not. He did not. Okay, that's why I was good. I just wanted to make sure he had 180 yards. I just wanted to make sure we weren't crowding No, I said, Josh let, let's take it easy about Josh Rosen and the Seahawks, though. You know, Mike I, Sando, I mean, it's, it's going to be, it's probably going to be okay, but it was a rough start. Mike Sando made the point. It was last week. He said he asked a scout what he thought about the season so far. And the scout said, oh, you mean weeks, you know, week three of the preseason? Exactly. And this is just going to happen. And I think that we, we learned a lot of lessons from the Seahawks. And one of them was that you don't have to be good in September to be good in November and December. We're learning that from That's where I'm worried about my team. We're learning about it from the Patriots increasingly. And we're learning about it from the Steelers who can't stop absolutely freaking out every September and October about their, their lot in life. But I, you know, these teams come together. And one of the things that, that I've written about the last couple of years is how young NFL rosters have gotten. And it's a labor thing. And it's a, it's, it's kind of, it's kind of bullshit, quite frankly, because a lot of the veterans are being pushed out of the league because they don't make $400,000 a year like a bunch of third-round picks. And the more third and fourth and fifth-round picks are expected to play immediately, the more the learning curve is. And that's why you're seeing so many mistakes in September and October because these teams are learning how to play football by and large. And you know, it's interesting to me that, that I saw a quote the other day about Sean McVay about how he teaches football. And, it's not, and Belichick does this too. They're teachers. They're not coaches. And there, there's, there's a process of just learning the game that a team needs to go through over the course of a year. And the point of all of that is just informationally to be ready for November and December and January. And if you're playing well in September, may, usually I, I, there's not has not been a huge correlation the last couple of years between September success and December success. I'll, I'll leave it at that. I totally agree. Uh, one more thing, though. I just watching that uh, Oakland game today, which I watched a lot of. I'll call it the Browns game. I think Baker Mayfield's going to be really good. Uh, the, whatever the judgment is on his play today, I, I can understand that it'd be mixed because of the turnovers, which, again, were not his fault for the most part. That's uh, that I think that dude's going to be really good. All totally right. agree. Let's get to a couple more of these very quickly. Uh, the Giants suck. <laughs> <laughs> I, I don't know how else to put it. Like the Giants are bad. That game was there for the taking against a Saints team that wanted to give it away. The Giants are not good. I had a bunch of notes about the Giants and I accidentally closed the tab. You didn't need them. I and promise. I'm so angry that I don't want to find it. I just don't want to look at those. I'm stats. sure Get you can remember stats. something. I'm sure you I'm, can remember something. I've, no, I, I, I remember. Uh, Saquon Barkley, 44 rushing yards. I certainly remember that. Uh, the other thing I remember is that uh, Odell Beckham had 60 yards. And beyond that, you know what else I remember? A little, little number for you, Robert. Saquon Barkley was the second player selected in the 2018 NFL draft. I feel bad for Saquon the, the, Barkley. Okay, no, here's the thing. The point of this pick... It was a win now pick. As yeah, much as I don't, not I don't know if now. they ever I don't know if they ever use those words, but the entire point of that pick is to do almost what Zeke Elliott did in 2016, which is rush for 1400 yards, be a playmaker in the you know, in this case in the passing game, which they want him to do. And 
and and be an offensive weapon that changes the the face of the offense. And then they win now, and then they extend Eli's career. They get to honor that contract, and Odell's you know contract looks great, and and their defense already has the pieces with Vernon and Jenkins and all those guys they brought in a couple of years ago, plus the guys they drafted, Landon Collins. Right, that's the plan. Well, it's not working, and maybe you should have drafted a quarterback. I don't think. I don't think you can harp on this enough. It might have been a franchise-altering mistake, depending on how all this shakes out. I, I, and again, I don't know if Darnold was the guy or if he's going to become the guy. I have no idea. But I do know that right now, the plan around Saquon Barkley, it does not look particularly good. I totally agree with you. I still think Saquon Barkley looked awesome at times today. I feel I love so him. bad for Saquon I love Barkley. I him as a player. I absolutely adore him as a player. I think he's explosive. He's great. We love Saquon. We are, we are both on board with Saquon Barkley, but just as far as what the Giants franchise is doing right now, I'm disappointed. I totally agree with you. There are moments, though, where he's on the field and it's like, oh, my God. Uh, he had one cutback run today where he just looked like he's twice as athletic as everyone else out there. And his touchdown, he literally jumped from the five-yard line, I think. He, also, he, had like I mean, 50, he had like 50 receiving yards. It's, the guy is such a dynamic player, and I, it is not his fault that his team does not understand value no, and put him in a nor, position yeah, to, that nor, he cannot nor succeed. Is it, he didn't ask to be drafted second overall. By the way, I just want to go back to this. The Giants have not scored 30 points since 2015. Can we just figure this out? Can Pat Shermer just, just sit down and say, let's score 30 points this week, guys? That was the whole thing. I mean, my, my worst picks of the week thing, the video I did with Fantasy over the week, uh, over on Wednesday, my only good point, maybe of the season, was that how did we expect the team that hasn't scored 30 points in in since 2015 to hang with the with the freaking New Orleans Saints really because the New Orleans Saints could not move the ball and they could not move the ball for a huge portion of that game yeah and then they and scored I 33 think, points and that's exactly right and it speaks to just how dangerous they really are yeah Alvin Kamara Alvin Kamara's had a ho hum season right. Yeah, you know were, he, he's been fine. You know you haven't really talked so much about Alvin Kamara this year. It's been like ah, oh, whatever. He's been all right. Do you have any yards from scrimmage Alvin Kamara is on pace for? I do not. Two thousand four hundred and forty-four. Yep. yep. Do you know how this many is, touchdowns he's scored? He scored so far. How many? Six. So it, it it was just I was watching that game. And they're settling, the Saints settling for field goals. They don't look efficient in the red zone. And then, whoop, 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 nope, quietly they've scored 33 points. That dude is always going to get his. The Saints, on accident, do what the Giants have not done in over 30 There's games. just too much talent. I mean, Breeze is making the right throws, all that stuff, which is a huge hey, help. But there's just too by much the way, talent. By the way, yeah, there's a lot of talent. You know where else there's a lot of individual talent? The New York Giants. No, they have two guys. They have yeah, two. They're, they're really good. That's fine. But there are two guys and one of them is not the quarterback. So that's their problem. I mean, the Saints have all that with and the quarterback is really good. I think that Kamara could break records this year. The problem is that Mark Ingram comes back next week. It's the only thing that could kind of dampen his usage and everything else. I think he could be a better football player. From here on out with Mark Ingram back, not running into as many stacked boxes as we talked about last week, everything else. But 
it just in terms of his overall raw production, I think that that like twenty five hundred yards is probably off the table just because he's not going to see the same amount of snaps. Hey, Mike, Mike Gillisley does not get the run that Mark Ingram is going to. Hey, Robert, would you take Alvin Kamara with the second overall pick in the draft? I would absolutely not, and Me- I love Alvin Kamara with all of my heart. One more quick one here. This Earl Thomas situation is bullshit. Every, I, I, I said it when it happened today, and it's like, oh, I, I was being sarcastic, and I said, yeah, what a dick Earl Thomas was for wanting a long-term contract and not wanting to be in a lame duck situation for a team he knew was going nowhere. And then he gets hurt today. He gets carted off. He flips the bird to someone on his way off the field. And it was like, oh, you know, he shouldn't have done that. And da 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 da. Yeah, like, what, if you were the Seahawks, what would you have done? I would have fucking traded him because you just had the greatest era of your entire franchise. This dude does not want to play for you. He wants to play somewhere else. He deserves a long term deal. He's about to hit 30. He has been an absolute warrior for you. For I cannot remember how long he has been the heart and soul of who you've been. You are not going to be a playoff team this year. He does not want to be there. He has asked to be traded. Trade him, put him in the situation he deserves to be in, and let the man live his life. Instead, he's out for the season. He's going to be looking for a new deal. He's on the wrong side of 30, and I have no patience for this. I don't give a shit that he had a contract. I never care about that ever. When guys stop getting cut with years left on their deals, we can talk about how players should honor their contracts. So, this is a really, really good podcast. It's obviously, it's not ours. Um, yeah, clearly. <laughs> no, we have we have an amazing podcast. Um, it's a boxing podcast. Max Kellerman and, and Chris Mannix a couple months ago. And Max Kellerman made the point that boxers and fans have the exact opposite interests in mind. Fans want to see the best fight immediately. They want to see wars. They want to see knockouts. They want to see all of the things that boxers don't want. Boxers want to fight five, six tune-up fights, get the one money fight for $40 million, and really get tested every couple of years. There's a reason we don't see money fights in boxing all that often, or we don't see mega fights in boxing all that often, because they're managing their career because boxers are the only people who are in charge of their career. And that's why boxing is run in a way that it is because the boxer's best interest is to run it like they do, which is just, you know, kind of a slow, slow and steady. Don't fight people all the time, whatever. Right. And that is kind of happening right now with NFL fans and NFL players and teams, NFL players where the most efficient thing for a team is to do the rookie contract is to screw their players is to as soon as a guy hits 30 to replace them with the third round pick who makes $400,000 the next four years cost controlled that is sort of the thing that the CBA is wrong cost controlled rookies instead of veterans even a guy like Earl Thomas can be replaceable because the salary cap makes it so and you're starting to get in a situation where we have to start thinking about the players and we have to start looking at this from, I don't want to say an ethical standpoint, but just, I think this is the reckoning that's come to baseball a little bit where people are just looking and saying, why 
why are we treating rosters like as soon as you get expensive, you have to leave? I think it's a very interesting dilemma right now when you watch football because a team and a player's interests have never been more opposed. Ever. No. And I understand you have to make pragmatic business decisions when it comes to all of this stuff. But he didn't want to be there. Just do right by the guy. Well, It's not that hard. What is the downside in trading him? You're going to have to pay him the same amount of money and you get an asset out of it. It it just doesn't. How can we not have an honest conversation between the two sides? I understand that their interests are diametrically opposed often. I also feel like there's a way to do this without both sides hating each other. We don't need to bleed every ounce of value out of these dudes when they've given everything to a franchise the way that Earl Thomas has. Yep. I mean, as much as we praise teams for finding value and managing the cap and all this stuff we do, and, and both of us are extremely intrigued with the team building element of it, there is the fact that the, the other side of team building is there are players who are getting absolutely screwed. If you got a second for Earl Thomas this year, instead of getting maybe a third compensatory, which are not anymore, by the way, because he's coming off an injury, that is value. You got more value if you traded him for a second round pick this year and you got another team to take half his salary. Yeah. I don't, it just, just none of this makes sense to me. And, and with the like, armchair GM, let's look at the fucking spot track numbers crowd. Everything about what this conversation devolved into today on the internet drove me nuts. All right. Very quickly, let's get to tomorrow's headlines. What you got for me? Besides Dirk Cutter firing himself? Yep, that works for me. (laughs) I mean, it's it's phenomenal. Um, I think we're going to see some uh, I think we're going to see some Steelers panic. Yep, I absolutely agree. I think we're going to see some some Giants panic, a little Eli panic. You know, Eli, I don't know if you saw this, but like literally I, I, I linked to this in the um, matchups column on Friday. Literally, there was a, a Giants story that was like, is the quarterback of the future Eli Manning? That was on Friday. <laughs> that was on Friday. They were talking oh, about an extension. That's incredible. They were talking about an extension, dude, in the oh, media on that's Friday. Amazing. I love that so, so much. On what are we going to do now? Dot, dot, dot. Eli, Eli Manning. Manning. Dude, I, I highly recommend it. Oh, I just think, that's you know, amazing. I, I think there's just going to be panic among among some of the the one and three zero oh, and four teams, um, I know you're apparently extremely high on the uh, the Houston Texans. There, I'm not. I'm not doing that. Hey, you love I, them. You hey, love them. My obligation on this podcast is to talk about as many games as we can. Oh yeah, I can't <laughs> wait to I'm talk saying. about the Texans every single week. Ah. Yeah, I just think that there's there's a couple of teams who Listen, are. Man, I'm in the content business. I don't know what you're doing over here. I'm not in the content business. Um, no, I mean, I think that there's just going to be a little bit of panic among some of these teams. Uh, the, yeah, the Colts one and three, the Buccaneers are in a weird spot because they looked so good on offense for three games. And now they just had this game. Now they're two and two. It's, I mean, I mean it's over. The, Fitzpatrick the, was o- the Fitzpatrick thing is over. No, I, I mean, understand, it's Winston I understand is done. that Winston they, is back. I understand that. But what I'm asking is, is, is the Winston thing. Is that just dead in the water? 
I don't, I kind of think it is. I okay. never thought they should go back to him. I didn't even think he should ever get his job back no matter what. And that was before the season even started. I have one more uh, headline of the week for you that I want to mention because we did not record on Friday. Just very briefly. Uh, this is the week where the Rams 16 and 0 buzz starts. Um, I haven't thought about that. I don't know if it's, I, I don't agree with it. I think that going undefeated in the NFL is almost impossible, but I absolutely think this is the week where it starts. Okay, so they play the Packers and the Saints. Let's not get into this now. I don't think no, it's I'm reasonable. I'm getting into it. I, I'm getting we into have it. To I'm go. getting into we it. have to go. I don't have anywhere to be. They play the Chiefs on <laughs> November 19th. I'm on West Coast time, brother. I got all night. It's not what it's about. <laughs> they play the Lions. They play I, I the, have directions. They play, the, they play the Bears on December 9th. How's that going for you? That's a, that's a mega game. I, I'm not looking at that as a mega game quite yet. Let's be honest. The money fight. The money fight. That was yeah, it's the one we've had circled on our calendar yeah. since K- the start. Khabib McGregor. Okay, we're done. All right. As always, guys, thank you so much for listening to the Ringer NFL show on the Ringer Podcast Network. We will talk to you on Thursday. Today's show is brought to you by FanDuel. Football season is underway, and that's why I'm so excited to be playing on FanDuel. FanDuel has never been more fun or easy. It's the place to play if you're not a fantasy expert. FanDuel has something for everyone, and there are more ways to win than ever before, like their Gridiron Pick'em Contest every week. New users get a $20 bonus when they make their first deposit on FanDuel. So come play with me at fanduel.com slash the ringer. That's fanduel.com slash the ringer.